listening to This Hong Kong Life, a podcast of stories and conversations with everyday youth across Hong Kong. Every week, we bring you episodes that reflect the unique bilingual nature of our city's culture, sharing the voices and thoughts of young people growing up and living in the city we call home. Hi everyone, my name is Skye and I'm from Kelly and today we're at a special location actually standing outside the pier. Still social distancing but I'm here with a friend today. Nathaniel or Nathan, how would you like to be introduced? Hi, I would like to be called Nathaniel. Nathaniel, how do you spell your name? N-A-T-H-A-N-I-E-L I-E-L. So a lot of people spell Nathaniel with an A versus an E. How did you get an E in your name instead of an A? I actually have no idea. I, I think it was the I that replaced the A, but the A is the one that's in the Bible, which is, I think, where my mom wanted to get it from. But my dad's actually called Nathaniel as well, and his name is spelled with an I for some reason. <laughs> and so my name just sort of went along with it. Yeah. So you fact. are Nathaniel Jr. then? Yes, I am. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so does your family, like, nickname you Jr. instead? No, actually. I'm actually called Guga. Which is like older brother in Chinese because I do have a younger brother. So it sounds like you speak Mandarin at home versus Cantonese. Is that true? Yeah, it is. Well, I'm from Hong Kong and I grew up here, but my mom is from Taiwan. And so we do practice speaking Mandarin and English at home a lot. Yeah. So it sounds like you speak three languages. Any other languages that you speak while Uh, you're growing up in Hong Kong? (laughs) Not really. (laughs) I think those three are the main ones. Yeah. So tell us a little bit like... You, you grew up here in Hong Kong. Did you go to a local school or international school? What was that? Yeah, I think I had quite a unique experience. I went to a primary school that was international, but then I shifted in secondary school to a local school. I went to Tai Ai, which is uh, in Poltan. Uh, I studied there for three years, and then I moved to Renaissance, which is an international school again. So it was a bit of a hop around, yeah. Oh, wow. So most people that we know, most young people do it the other way around. They go to local school and primary school and then they move to international school and they move into secondary. What was that like for you? Yeah, that seems to be the case from a lot of the people I've met, actually. But what was it like for me? Well, I think it was a unique experience. It was really good to see both sides of things. And I got to pick up on my Cantonese a lot more when I was in a local school because I didn't really speak it that well. And I think that has helped a lot with my interactions in university especially because I get to meet all sorts of people right but I think I got to see a lot of the differences in uh, different education systems especially secondary school I was able to sort of compare them compare the experiences and so yeah I was able to meet different people I think that was the biggest influence because there was a lot of international students that I met when I shifted back to renaissance so uh, more to an international side of things but I still have a lot of local friends and I guess you learn different things from different groups What is something that you really appreciated from your experiences in a local system versus international system? Um, I think I mentioned language, but just the way they saw things as well. I think international school students, I think one of the major differences were they're not all rich, for example, but um, I think most of them would probably be richer than the the friends I made in local school. So even the way we saw lunches was very different. Like I used to spend $5 on a lunch when I was studying in Taiyai and everyone would be actually competing to see who could spend the least and who could save the most. And then in international school, I went there and people were splurging on like $40 meals and it was like a huge shift at first. I was like, I I got lost. I just got caught out by everything that was going on. But I think it was good to see both sides of things as well. And it was a huge part of my growth I think I was challenged in many other ways too I think education wise as well in the international setting 
back in high school. I don't know if it was high school or versus secondary, like early secondary, but、uh, I think urge to be more independent, challenged rather with my projects,、uh, with the way I dealt with my homework and managed my schedules, and it was a lot more demanding in that respect than what I experienced in the local school, which had a lot of stuff really prepared and planned out for us back then. Yeah. Actually, that's very interesting because you know I was going to ask when you move around so much when you're studying, it can be quite difficult because you're almost losing a set of friends, making new set of friends, losing them again, and then making new ones. Even though you didn't travel around different countries, but you traveled around different communities. In your last transition, you know, in secondary school, how did you sort of manage your relationships and friendships in that time? Yeah, it was definitely pretty difficult. I think I was able to keep in touch with my local school friends, but it was particularly difficult to adapt to a new environment with a new set of friends because I'm almost like completely shifting, even my personality to suit the people around me. I think. A little bit, just to meet, you know, come to a middle point almost, right? I think my transition process was also quite difficult back then because I actually got tuberculosis. I think during my transition year, which didn't help because I had to go to the hospital a lot and I had to wear a mask all the time, which I think people now appreciate. You know how difficult it is to interact and read each other when we have masks on. And back then, I think all those factors coming together really made it difficult for me to get along with anyone in、uh, my first year at Renaissance. I think a lot of people were hesitant to approach the, the shy one, and I did, I did have friends, but I think I definitely got to know a lot more people the year after. I do still keep in touch. Going back to your question, with my other local school friends, I think largely with the people who I played football with, we still meet up from time to time to play. And sport just really has a way of bringing people together. I'm sorry to hear that you got tuberculosis in that time. Are you okay now? Yeah, it was a one and a half year thing. Thankfully, I was still young, so I was able to recover quite well from it. I think it took that long because the thing about TB is they really need to kill off all of the、uh, bacteria before it sort of adapts to the medicine, and that would become really lethal, right? So yeah, I had to take medicine every day. Go to a clinic; they had to watch me take it, and it was quite a tough period. Yeah. What would you say to any young people who are out there who are actually going through a health condition right now, or even have loved ones who have COVID nineteen? What would you say to them?、Uh, this is a difficult one because I don't think I've personally experienced too much loss, but I definitely feel for them. And I think with that, just appreciate the the people that you do have around you. I think and just be conscious of how you spend your time with them and what you say with the、uh, the people that you love. And what you do together as well, because I think it's really easy to take for granted the people that we have around us. And I definitely found that out during this virus. Actually, I was able to spend a lot more time with my family, and I think that has really helped the family relationship grow. So yeah, just be mindful of the people around you. Yeah. Thanks for that. Speaking of family, what are your parents? What do they do? And have they influenced、uh, what you do today? Yeah. So I've well, a father and a mother. Very thankful for that. They're both teachers. So my dad teaches Chinese history at a local school, and my mom teaches English at another local school. And they have both been really positive impacts in my life in terms of well, I want to be a teacher as well. And they were able to role model a lot of that. I was actually able to visit some of their classes as well to see how they taught, and just the way they interacted with their students was really inspiring. Yeah. That being said, though, I don't think it was directly because of that that I do want to go into teaching. But I think that's another topic. Yeah. I'm actually quite surprised. A lot of people whose parents are in a particular vocation, they end up not wanting to be the same as their family. Did you ever go through that? 
yeah I can totally empathize with that I think because my parents were teachers I sort of was very hesitant and grappled with the idea of teaching and going into teaching simply because I wanted to challenge myself experience something new and pave my own path and not just follow in someone else's footsteps and I think now that I look on it my perspective on that has changed a bit like I don't think that I'm necessarily taking an easy path by doing something that they've done before it's definitely not been the case but back when I was still making a decision on whether to go into teaching or not that was one of the big things that stood in the way I think it sounds like you know as you are applying for jobs now right uh, into teaching how do you think COVID-19 period has affected that if at all I think it has just because there are a lot of staff and teachers especially like I could see in my mom for example she's at home right and so a lot of staff are just at home and so application processes take longer it takes longer for the letters to be sent and then taken to the people who need to see them and then for them to process it and then get back to me and then we have to arrange a time to to meet up and do interviews so it definitely has affected it in that aspect and especially i can totally see or sort of imagine how difficult it must be to manage that as a teacher to process the applications as well as do all the online classes and prepare for well uncertainty essentially just plan ahead as much as they can and so i totally am empathize with that and that has affected the way the applications have been going so far yeah um so just kind of coming back to you it sounds like you want to work with young people yourself as a young person that's pretty cool we love that what do you think is the biggest challenge that your peers or those that younger than you are struggling with in hong kong today oh there are definitely a lot i actually have been working together with youth at church and i know a lot of them are just really <laughs> not fond of their online homework and online classes especially i mean school normally can be very interesting can be very boring according to each individual but i think having your friends around you really helps alleviate that like just being a part of a team almost and just being able to have fun right and now they don't have that necessarily at home and so that's one of their major challenges that's the youth that i've been talking to have been facing yeah i would say that's the biggest one how about in general like beyond this time if we weren't in this situation in general what do you think young people really need support in the most or even like you and your peers yeah i think young people definitely need guidance and help to be able to think critically i think it's very easy for us to just follow whatever is the best option it seems on the surface available to us so as a secondary school student for example it could just be to do well in your studies get all the right grades get into uni and then get a job after that and that seems pretty straightforward in a way if you can do it but i think there's a lot more to the world now especially since with technology and how everything's just a lot faster there's a lot more transition in between jobs even and the way you see life and i think a lot of young people just really need help to open their eyes really to be able to see the world for what it is to make their own decisions and not be swayed by media for example that easily like they must be able to understand you know what sources are perhaps more authentic where the bias might be coming from and then be able to evaluate it properly and talk with their friends about it even so encouraging them to be able to communicate and to be able to judge critically the things around them and 
make decisions from that. I think that's the single biggest thing that youth need these days. Yeah, yeah, that's really so true. So one of the things that we often hear about is that in Hong Kong, young people in general are really like they're bored. Like there's not enough for Hong Kong youth to do. Is this something that you would agree with? I think it's really hard to just pigeonhole all Hong Kong youth into like that one sort of category. I think there are a lot of youth that I've been surprised by who have managed to find their own interests and pursue them relentlessly, and then from there just really flourish. But I do agree that a lot of Hong Kong youth may be affected, just from my own experience, by the way our education system is run. I think a lot of people have been able to recognize that, but there are a lot of reasons behind that. But what I could observe is that I think, as I said before, youth in Hong Kong may be less geared towards pursuing their own hobbies and interests versus sort of just following what maybe their parents want them to do and following the plan of best, you know, probability of success. To get a good job, and there are so many reasons behind it. They might want to just lift their their family out of poverty, for example, to find a good life for themselves. And that's just the way the situation is. So, when you were younger and you guys were bored, what are some of the things that you would do to kind of have fun? If I'm looking back at my primary school sort of situation, I think those were my most vibrant days. So I'll probably talk about that. I had a really unique primary school experience. I was grouped up with a bunch of naughty kids just like me. And we had a brilliant campus on top of a hill that used to be like a sort of uh, a battleground of sorts for the British. I forgot what the word was. But so, it, like, it's an actual designated space in Hong Kong where there was a battleground. Yeah, well, it was a fort. Yeah, that's the word. It was a fort, and so we had like a cannon pointing out over the waters, and we had like random walls around the campus grounds that made really fun to just jump around and quite dangerous actually. It's not the same way it was before now. That's incredible that we even have a, a school like that in Hong Kong. It is, yeah, and I'm super thankful that my parents brought me there. But yeah, we used to do a lot of crazy stuff. We used to actually after school. We used to pick up a lot of the, the big red flowers that used to be really damp and soaked up all of the, the water and the dew, and it used to be soggy and gross. And we actually used to throw them at people, <laughs> like not even people we knew. <laughs> it was so bad. But we also threw them at each other, of course. You know, fair play, right? We used to have like a treehouse, and one of the more interesting stories is we used to have people, the kids who could climb the treehouse, and the kids who couldn't. Which one were you? I was one of the group that could climb the treehouse, thankfully. <laughs> And so we used to almost employ other kids who couldn't climb to sort of gather weapons that we could use to pelt other kids with. So it could be the flowers that I mentioned, which were absolutely disgusting. Can't can't imagine, to be honest, if you haven't like actually felt them before. Really soft, squishy. And then uh, we also had like nuts as well. They were hollow. They weren't rocks, so it was like safer to throw around. It was like. On the margins of being dangerous, and we used to gather buckets of those and just pelt them at each other, and we used to just do them every recess. <laughs> and then we'd go into class, and the teachers would just turn a blind eye to it. It's like, yeah, kids will be kids. That's actually really nice to hear. You know, a little bit of a different experience growing up in Hong Kong and attending a primary school. You know, most primary school students now, like if you think about it, they're inundated with homework, not even able to go out as much. And for you to have such an amazing school campus, uh, I think we need to start recommending people to send their kids to that school. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I guess you know, as we wrap up our conversation, and thank you so much for sharing this today. During this time, where uh, everybody has been going through. 
through social distancing, but also just with the changes in your own life? Like, what are some of the things that have been on your mind during this COVID-19 period? I think it was the, the things on my mind are mostly to just figure out what to do with all the time that I have on hand. And sure, there are a lot of projects that I want to work on to develop my own skills, improve my own musical talents, for example, to learn new skills that I haven't really been able to brush up on before, such as video editing and stuff like that, which can be insanely useful in the future. Those are the main things I sort of want to spend my time on these days and just figuring that out. But I think I've also been spending a lot of time with my family, which I actually think is the most important thing. I've been doing in this situation, just enjoying time with my mom, especially being able to talk about all sorts of topics with her that I normally wouldn't have been able to, just because of all the time that we have in our hands. And we also have a car at home actually that I'm able to borrow from my dad, and I just take my family around and go to places that are really nice. I've, we've discovered so much nature in Hong Kong. I think if you really Google it, search it up, and go visit, you'll be surprised at how much there is around the place. And this is just something that anyone can do with their families. Essentially, you know, find a, a nice secluded area and spend some time with them and talk with them. And I think that's the best thing anyone could do. Yeah. It's really cool to hear that you have such a fantastic relationship with your parents. Uh, I wanted to ask because actually a lot of young people may not have that same good relationship. As a young person yourself, what do you think you guys can do in terms of building that relationship with your parents specifically? Yeah, I think there's so much that we can do. But for me, it was recognizing that the fact that my parents weren't perfect people, and I think a lot of onus tends to go on the parents to treat their youth right, and rightly so because they're the ones who have seen more of the world, and they were the ones who gave birth to their kids, and so there's obviously a responsibility there. But as youth, it's so important to know that there's so much that we can do as well. I think the best thing that I did as A young child was to listen more to my parents, and not listen as to obey everything, but rather to really understand and try to understand where they're coming from, why they're trying to say the things that they do. And a lot of the stuff that I found irritating and I found that I hated, actually, I found out stemmed from their love for me. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing it the best way. I think there are a lot of times where the way my parents showed love was not the way I wanted to receive it. But recognizing that they're trying to show love, and then trying to reciprocate, and then sort of adjust to each other, I think that is so important in any sort of relationship. I think, and especially with my parents. Yeah. So as as Chinese, you know, culturally, we don't often express our emotions. So we usually follow what our family does. But if our family culture isn't one that expresses emotions or feelings, how can we get to a place where you would feel comfortable to share your feelings and address and adjust those emotions, like you were saying earlier? I think it definitely takes time, and it really takes effort and persistence. To gradually chip away at it, I think、uh, it's a similar sort of situation with my father. He's definitely less open to expressing vulnerable emotions than my mother is, and so just chipping away at that and trying to make conversation with him, even though it might not necessarily be the most comfortable thing in the world to do, and I think that makes a gradual difference. It's a subtle difference. It's really hard to change, like sometimes perceptions that have been there and deep rooted in culture, like you mentioned, or in our family. It's it can be very Difficult, but making the effort to do so, trying to be understanding, just being open-minded, and you know, you don't have to force it necessarily all the time. If you need a break from it, you always have your friends, you always have other people maybe around you, and so draw from their support as well. 
Yeah. Is there a conversation in mind that you've experienced with your father that you felt like was breakthrough for you that encouraged you to keep striving for a better relationship? Not necessarily a single conversation, but he really opens up whenever we eat afternoon tea together, which is incredible. Like he has this favorite restaurant he goes to, and I always hop on the chance to eat with him there because it is at that moment where I feel we really open up and talk over food, and he's really happy to do that as well most of the time. And I get to challenge him about everything from small to big, like from the way education has been going to. You know, you should do some exercise, kind of thing. You know, trying to encourage because that's、him. a good time where he feels comfortable to、exactly. have a conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So just both of us being comfortable there, I think that's such a big thing. Yeah.、Well, that's incredible. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today, Nathaniel. It's awesome that you are healthy. You know, in this time, no longer affected by TV, but also wish you luck as you go into finding a job. And one big. Takeaway tip from Nathaniel is、uh, just really treasure the time that you're spending with your family. So thank you so much for that.、Yeah. See you later. You. See you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This Hong Kong Life is an initiative of Kelly Support Group. We are a youth organization empowering young people to reach their full potential in Hong Kong. If you like the show, please subscribe and get new episodes every week. We would love to hear from you. Nominate yourself or a friend to share next, or drop us a note at. H K L I F E at K E L Y dot O R G. That's Hong Kong Life at Kelly dot org. See you next time.